Hello, and welcome to another episode of Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. This podcast is a production of Beaver, the recognized expert in socioeconomic data for the state of New Mexico. I'm your host, Rayanne McKernan, but today we're going to do things a little differently. I'm not sure if you are aware, but one of Beaver's services is an economic forecast that we call for UNM. We do for UNM forecasts every quarter, and our most recent one came out in the beginning of May. These forecasts have been a production of Bieber for over 30 years, and this service provides information and analysis of economic trends that businesses and government leaders in the land of enchantment need to identify opportunities, um, evaluate performances, and develop budgets. Uh, for instance, the state government uses our forecast for revenue projections when setting the state budget. The forecast is also used by public and private organizations. We do a national forecast. We do a state forecast. We also break out into the major metropolitan areas of Albuquerque, Farmington, Santa Fe, Las Cruces, um, and the Permian Basin, which is Leonetti County. If you would like more information on our forecasting services, please visit our website at Bieber, that's B-B-E-R, .unm.edu. But without further ado, let's get into listening to what Jeff, our director, has to say. He's going to be giving you just a small snippet of what our forum subscribers get. And this is what he told them a few weeks ago about the New Mexico State Economic Outlook. We feel that um, the uh, Global Insight, uh, or I guess now uh, IHS market uh, forecast was um, surprisingly um, optimistic. Uh, they uh, had a, what we would call V-shaped uh, recession and recovery where we, had, we saw almost the same number of jobs by end 21, more uh, by uh, 22 than we had in 19. Uh, essentially, when we look at the forecast, it comes down to as much as anything else, a, um, a question of epidemiology. And I have to say that after listening to Dr. Stacey's uh, presentation this morning, um, I'm more convinced, um, far more convinced that uh, this, this V-shaped recovery may be missing the point. Uh, essentially, what is suggested in a V-shaped recovery is that we are looking at, and so essentially what a forecast is likely to look like is what you might expect in terms of uh, the, the, our, the response to, uh, to COVID-19. Uh, the V-shaped one option is a single wave ending, and these are actually uh, written out by uh, Global Insight, is a single wave of uh, transmission that ends in uh, early summer, they're actually saying in May or, or um, early June, a quick return to work. Um, we're talking about by the, uh, by the beginning of the third quarter and a very quick recovery thereafter. Um, a second uh, model is uh, uh, limited activity over the summer. Uh, the recession persists and it is quite deep, deeper than um, under the uh, first scenario. Um, and recovery is a bit lagged uh, a couple uh, years, but eventually um, in, in that two-year period, you recover to pre-employment um, levels. 
Um, a third model is uh, a an L-shaped um, uh, re recession and recovery. Essentially, the idea here is that uh, the struggle continues. Uh, we might see uh, more than a single wave of infection. Uh, the uh, gating is is, um, is significant. Uh, the point being that uh, prolonged uh, shutdown wipes out um, uh, savings of households and businesses unable to uh, to um, access capital. Uh, the consequence is that we actually lose businesses. It's not just a matter of shutting down and then reopening, but we're losing businesses. Uh, the consequence of which is that uh, recovery is long and slow and incomplete. Uh, for very different reasons, um, this scenario of the L-shaped recovery looks very much like New Mexico's uh, experience with the Great Recession. Uh, we um, as Mo has mentioned, um, this time provide four scenarios to baseline the optimistic and pessimistic, but as we'll talk about, we also have a, um, what we can call it a worst case scenario, uh, which looks more like the L, but generally our scenarios uh, tend rather from uh, the, the V as seen in the, in the IHS uh, forecast, more of a U. Um, our expectation is that we will see the loss of uh, 73,000 jobs or uh, nearly 9% of the workforce in uh, the current quarter. Uh, of course, average over the quarter. So uh, if there may be points in which, uh, for example, right now, which is greater, some people will go to back, back to work perhaps, but the average during the quarter will be uh, down 72,000. Um, and we see, and here's the U versus the V, um, and, and these are quarter over quarter numbers. Uh, usually we're talking in terms of year over year, but in this particular case, looking at sort of quarter over quarter gives you a, a better sense of the dynamics of what we're looking at. Uh, that in the third quarter, uh, we see an additional loss of uh, nearly 9,000 jobs or 1% altogether. Uh, we're down then about 10% by the end of the third quarter. We then gain back um, uh, about 1,800, 18,000 jobs, 2.4% in the fourth quarter. Uh, note that, um, again, these are quarter over quarter, but typically we would see, anyway, uh, significant uh, increased employment in the fourth quarter. So if you look at these on year-to-year -year basis, um, the fourth quarter remains um, uh, well below uh, what we've seen in the past. In, in general, um, on, an on an average basis, all 12 months, which would also then include uh, January and February, when things are reasonably strong, we're looking at a loss of about 52,000 jobs or 6.4% uh, uh, below what we had in 2019. Um, in our baseline scenario, recovery uh, gains some steam in the second half of uh, 21. Uh, but only in the second half. So if you look at 21 over 20, you actually see negative numbers. Um, but picks up pace uh, through 20 and then at uh, 22 and then slows to trend uh, about 1.5% or so uh, for 23, 4, and 5. Um, in this scenario, um, we end uh, the forecast period to uh, 2025 with slightly fewer jobs uh, than we had in 2019. This again is our baseline scenario, and slightly as well, 4,000 jobs for a half a percent um, over a five-year period. Just um, for comparison, um, of, again, um, the losses in the Great Recession uh, were far less severe. Um, and it took us more than 10 years um, to get back to, to get whole 
um, a year, we're looking at somewhere short of five years uh, in baseline scenario. Um, as Lois pointed out, uh, personal incomes hold up significantly better uh, as uh, the uh, personal transfers, um, transfers to households and included in the CARES Act um, have significant benefits to the Mexican households. Uh, this, I want, I want to talk for a second and take a step back and look at uh, the big picture. How, how, what are New Mexico's relative advantages and disadvantages um, compared to other states um, in dealing with this recession and a recovery? Uh, on, and, and again, I think the context that I want to put here is that the big picture is this. Um, the longer this goes, the greater the strain on uh, savings and, and, and capital, both for households and for businesses. Uh, and recovery is unlikely to return us to something that we look like and looked at before. Um, in just the last six weeks, um, I know I have uh, sort of picked up new patterns, new habits, um, and uh, many of them I like, and um, I may hold on to. Uh, even if the world was to recover, return exactly to what it was um, at the end of last year. Um, those different patterns, habits, um, uh, consumer preferences are likely to be carried forward. And so what we will see in the future is not what we will see in the past, um, but will be something else. So uh, things like retail, for example, um, may look very different or much smaller than what we saw in the past. Um, another element of this, and, and this context before I get into the, these details, is that um, we are going to see innovation and change, uh, which of course um, does not benefit everybody equally. Uh, there will be winners and there will be losers um, as a result of this. And winners and losers can be understood in terms of individuals and classes, um, but it is also uh, the case in terms of ge geography. Some places will fare reasonably well, others uh, not as well. Uh, looking specifically now at the advantages, um, one, the significant advantage that I've already touched on that New Mexico has is that we are uh, well supported by federal dollars uh, and in general uh, we have the third highest percentage of our workforce works for government agencies. Uh, we're in the top five or so in terms of per capita receipt of federal dollars and that includes both um, contracts, uh, for example, the national labs and the dollars that flow from those, uh, but also transfers to households, which include, yes, unemployment, um, Medicaid, uh, but also Social Security, etc. So there are many of those. Uh, second, we have, um, uh, though we've not always been able to exploit them, uh, strong technology centers, including national labs, the universities, etc. These are likely to play an important part in the innovation that um, will take us out of the recession. And third, perhaps most controversially, um, we, yes, we have uh, reserves that will help cushion the, the, uh, the blow in fiscal 21, although not certainly entirely. Um, the other one I think is, is, I feel responsible to put it in there. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we have more than $20 million in permanent funds uh, that, of course, uh, constitutionally are uh, off limits, but they are there. Uh, and in worst case scenarios, uh, that may be an issue. Disadvantages are many. Uh, most importantly, uh, households have a limited assets, limited savings. They're going to run dry much quicker uh, than obviously a, a household with better savings or average households in other states. 
Uh, likewise, um, we have we are very dependent on small businesses, far more so uh, than in other states. 51% of New Mexico's workforce uh, works for businesses. I should get this number right. Of uh, 100 person, 100 employees or less. So actually, the establishments of 100 or fewer. Um, which is one of the highest uh, percentages in the country. So we are highly dependent on small businesses, and these small businesses uh, typically have limited savings and have limited access to capital. Um, we also have a weak financial sector, uh, which is to say that uh, it is, uh, makes it very difficult for businesses to access capital. This has become manifest uh, currently, um, although we don't have uh, good data on this yet, in the payroll protection uh, plan, in that, uh, as we of course heard, uh, it seems as though relatively few larger companies are gaining access to uh, this uh, now, I think it's over $600 billion in, in financial assistance. Uh, primarily because uh, the ones who seem to be getting in the front of the line are the people who have or the businesses that have uh, close relationships with typically larger financial uh, institutions as the federal government's using those larger institutions that channel the dollars and that does not tend to be the case in Mexico. We have relatively few of those uh, larger financial institutions and businesses have relatively limited access to it. Conversely, um, we are more dependent on smaller businesses. There are some provisions in the last um, um, uh, payroll protection, the, 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 the second round, um, to allocate some monies to uh, smaller community banks, but uh, it remains a relatively small fraction of the entire um, of the whole. A fourth disadvantage is that uh, more than most other states, um, we are dependent on customer service industries, leisure uh, and hospitality, um, for example. Uh, these are industries, of course, that are most directly impacted by um, uh, shutdown measures and uh, by the transmission of the coronavirus. Um, finally, uh, during as is characteristic, you see a recession. Recoveries often involve uh, consolidation. Uh, companies that come out of the recession with more capital are better able to secure their, their market shares. Uh, in uh, We've seen this in the past, and we are likely to see this in the future. What this means is that um, it is possible, if the disadvantage or risk that we face is that there will be market consolidation that will directly affect Mexico's uh, businesses. Uh, oftentimes when we see these consolidations, we see um, a couple of things. One is that the profits of them uh, don't stick around. Um, and two, they tend to be labor uh, in uh, much better, uh, more labor efficient. And so that will um, not necessarily bode well to employment. So this is uh, just for context, what we perceive as being uh, the relative advantages and disadvantages that New Mexico faces in dealing uh, with the COVID crisis and recovery, the economic uh, uh, impact of the, of the crisis and recovery. Uh, just very briefly, um, I want to just go back and steal Ma's uh, slide. Um, on the left, I just want to emphasize this one. Uh, we see a baseline scenario, which is almost like a perfect V. Uh, the optimistic scenario, which hardly looks any different, just a little bit less deep. And the pessimistic scenario, interestingly, um, is uh, just a very, very deep V, but a very, very deep recovery. And what you'll actually see, um, looking on the right, is that um, by the end of time, 
2025, uh, the gap uh, between the pessimistic scenario is um, is significantly reduced. Um, that is to say that the rate of growth um, post 21 or post 20 um, in the pessimistic scenario exceeds uh, that of the baseline and the pessimistic for that, for that matter. So these we consider to be uh, even though the point being even their worst case scenario seems um, potentially quite optimistic. Uh, I'm just going to give away the answers before uh, we go through the rest of the, uh, the book here. Um, this, these are the four scenarios that we're putting forth. Um, the first three scenarios, which are the optimistic baseline and pessimistic, essentially are, no, are functionally no different than what we do in the past, which is we work primarily on the, the baseline scenario and then we just run uh, 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 IHS's optimistic and pessimistic scenarios through those models and uh, they come up. So in other words, uh, these are uh, our baseline looks different than theirs, um, but our pessimistic looks similarly different. Um, the, pe the second pessimistic or worst case scenario, as you can see, is um, significantly worse. Um, it is the L-shaped recovery. Um, it is what we believe to be felt some responsibility to provide what may be a worst case scenario just um, uh, for contingency planning. We'll talk more about these in detail. Uh, here is our outlook for employment. Of course, what we are seeing here, as we've described, these are year-over-year -year numbers, and so we see a very sharp 8%, uh, 8.5% decline in the first, in the second, this is actually the second quarter, um, a uh, even deeper decline, i.e. further losses in the third quarter, um, and uh, some modest quarter over quarter increases, which is to say uh, year over year, uh, uh, the declines are somewhat more moderated. Uh, on the other hand, um, we do not see the spike um, of employment thereafter. Um, it's uh, somewhat longer, but um, more subdued uh, compared to the baseline, which was in, Jan in January. Uh, of course, we did not anticipate this uh, tremendous decline of these four periods, but growth is, is above that trend, um, but again, not sufficient to cap recapture what we've seen in loss in the past. And in the out years, uh, the trend is, uh, uh, the long-term trend is essentially back to what we were perceiving before. Uh, looking at this by sector, and, and this is where we'll dig a bit more into some of those other ideas, um, this is just 2020. Um, of course, what we see is a tremendous decline in retail and accommodation, as well as administrative services, which include temporary employment services, um, which obviously may be uh, the first to go. Uh, even in percentage terms, uh, these, are, these are significant declines, uh, 15, 20%. Um, when we return uh, in, from 20 and 20 to 21, what, what I think is most significant here is that what we do not see is retail rebounding. Um, this is a significant difference from what you actually see in Global Insight if you start looking at the data on a quarter by on a, on a sector by sector basis. Part of the recovery and the strength of the recovery that V is that these retail jobs bounce back. Um, so to um, bounce back the uh, accommodations and food services. We do not anticipate the same. Um, uh, 
uh, the, in effect, the U-shaped versus the V-shaped um, scenarios. A key difference is uh, regards retail trade and uh, the strength of recovery in uh, accommodations and food services. Um, you will see that uh, the three branches of government essentially remain flat um, uh, over the period of time. Uh, <clears throat> looking at personal income, the scenario uh, is significantly less severe. Uh, in 2020, uh, the declines were actually quite minimal. Uh, you would actually in, in Q2 and Q3 see uh, positive growth. And as we will see, this is entirely due to uh, uh, the increase in transfer payments, which more than offset uh, cuts in um, or losses in wage in disbursements to employees. Uh, the decline, actually, the, the delayed decline in uh, personal income losses in 21 are effectively uh, the rollback of those initial uh, transfer programs, um, which are not offset by a commensurate increase in employment. Uh, here's uh, the employment uh, looking out. This is actually uh, looking into the <clears throat> into the forecast. Uh, these red bars, the red parts of the bars, are transfer payments. Um, as you can see here, we are looking at a tremendous increase uh, in, in transfer payments. What we, the reason we have positive numbers is that these uh, transfers more than offset uh, wages and salaries. Uh, and to put this in context, we are looking at it by our estimates and uh, charted out in the report in some detail. Um, in the area of uh, five to six billion dollars of uh, transfer, increased transfer payments to New Mexico over this um, two quarter period, uh, which more than offsets uh, all other losses. Uh, moving ahead into 21, uh, these negative numbers are simply uh, the disappearance in effect. These are year over year numbers. And so, insofar as these numbers, these transfers don't continue, we see a year over year decline in the transfers. We see a gradual increase in, in, uh, um, in wage and salary, particularly private wage and salary disbursements. Um, and uh, <clears throat> as well as uh, uh, other labor income. <clears throat> uh, turning to uh, the alternative scenarios, I think I've already touched on this. Um, uh, just, I think it goes without saying that the degree of uncertainty that we're facing here is, is completely unprecedented. This is not, uh, to, to pretend that this is an exercise in economics is, is is, is foolish. Uh, this is as much uh, sort of looking in a crystal ball uh, of epidemiology and trying to guess uh, what is going to happen with this disease. And so essentially what we've tried to do in these, uh, um, in these alternative forecasts are look at what different possibilities, four different possibilities for the course of the disease, um, as much as um, what the economic responses to those are. Uh, Global insights, as I've noted, share a V-shape. New Mexico's forecasts are less optimistic, tend towards U-shape. Uh, we offer, um, I've noted, a baseline and two uh, standard alternatives, the optimistic and the pessimistic, but we've added uh, a uh, second pessimistic, which is intended to uh, chart a worst-case scenario for floor, if you will, under the uh, book. 
<clears throat> um, the pessimistic scenarios are essentially um, defined, uh, yes, by the trend in the disease and the um, sustained layoffs, uh, but also uh, the challenges that I've defined above. Uh, that is um, uh, limited access to capital among small businesses, a concern for the trend of business consolidation, and likely budget cuts, government budget cuts. Um, finally, as I've already mentioned, a uh, second scenario is uh, a very much an L-shaped uh, recovery, uh, or perhaps even non-recovery, uh, where we fall far short of prior uh, previous employment numbers by an forecast period. Um, I've already shown this uh, again. Um, you see that the Global Insight, uh, we've shown this many times, is sharply uh, V-shaped with a pessimistic, a dramatic uh, increase in uh, uh, recovery in 21. These, as I've already pointed out, giving away the answers, are our forecasts. Um, the, uh, the black line is the baseline forecast, and it's exactly what we have shown above. Um, what you can note here, as Mo has already mentioned, even in the Global Insight um, account, the optimistic scenario, the green line, um, really is hardly better. Um, it is slightly less of a decline in uh, the short term um, and slightly slower recovery in the midterm. Therefore, you end up with, uh, in Mexico, 8,000 or so, uh, less than 1% more jobs uh, than uh, under the baseline. The pessimistic scenario is, again, um, informed by Global Insights uh, input numbers, which are, uh, again, a U-shape. Uh, we, we see a much deeper, as in the Global Insight model, uh, pessimistic and much deeper decline uh, in 2020, uh, where we are seeing, I think it's much of 120,000 jobs lost in the second and third quarters. Uh, the the problem sustains for a while. This again it reflects some of the epidemiology, um, and recovery is uh, significantly more robust. Or the, that is to say, the rate of, of growth um, um, is stronger than the baseline. Simply put, you have more jobs lost, um, uh, lower line uh, line crew to, to to add and grow. But in this case, you end up um, in this scenario with only about. Uh, 10,000 fewer jobs than in the baseline, about 1%. Uh, the third um, is, um, to be really honest, not a modeling exercise. Uh, it essentially borrows from the other scenarios. Um, specifically, what we have done to sort of give you uh, the technical uh, account is uh, pessimistic to shares the worst or the most negative aspects of the baseline and the pessimistic one scenario. That is, as you see um, in the initial uh, phase, the, uh, the pessimistic two is exactly the same as the pessimistic one. The difference is are, are twofold. One is the growth rate the slope of that um, line thereafter follows that of the baseline rather than the more up, the more uh, the quicker recovery of the pessimistic. Um, further, what we is also the case here is that we have lowered the oil prices um, and uh, oil, oil production and mining uh, employment in this scenario. 
essentially uh, reflecting a scenario in which global uh, economic recovery is weaker than um, in the baseline scenario, um, thus impacting uh, Mexico through those, um, through those channels. Uh, in this case, um, this is the income scenario. Uh, uh, it was pointed out uh, quite interestingly that um, if you look at the global at the economic scenario, you see that the uh, the L1 baseline pessimistic pessimistic scenario recovers quite quickly. Um, here, what you actually see is that the income does not follow that trend. Um, rather, uh, almost follows uh, ends up closer to the pessimistic two than. Uh, the baseline. There's a reason for this, um, and it uh, reflects some of the points I made before. Uh, essentially, what happens in even the pessimistic scenario in Global Insight is that you see a tremendous cut in retail and leisure uh, 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 hospitality, other relatively low-wage sectors, but also an equally rapid growth, uh, much of the recovery um, in the pessimistic scenario here is actually a gain in low-wage jobs. Consequence is that in, when you translate this into income growth is that you see growth of low-income jobs, therefore the growth of income does not track the growth of, um, of employment. And thus uh, in New Mexico in particular, uh, this scenario, the pessimistic scenario from the income point of view, actually looks um, uh, significantly worse than the employment scenario. Uh, these, um, uh, for the record, are uh, global insights. Uh, the first three are global insights, uh, alternative scenarios for WTI uh, prices, um, the black line, the baseline. Um, what you will see is that they end up uh, somewhere just south of $70 per barrel. The optimistic scenario, they end up um, at slightly more than $80 a barrel. What's very interesting is because of the pace of the recovery in the pessimistic, again, the pessimistic simply falls further uh, in employment and global economic activity recovers more rapidly. What's interesting here is that in the pessimistic scenario, oil prices actually climb much more quickly and by the end of the forecast period 2025, um, uh, arrive at uh, just under, cents under $100 per barrel. Uh, the red line is um, our um, modification of, again, the baseline forecast uh, for uh, oil prices, thus oil production. Uh, that is uh, what we have for um, New Mexico. Uh well, that wraps it up for us here at Enchanting Economics in New Mexico. Don't forget to check us out at Bieber, that's bber.unm.edu, or on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under at UNMBieber. Thanks for listening, and remember, as one of the first governors of New Mexico said, all calculations based on experience elsewhere fail in New Mexico. Take care.